Welcome to Kessler Foundation's 2017 Traumatic Brain Injury Consumer Conference, Moving Forward, Overcoming Obstacles and Improving Quality of Life. This conference is hosted by the Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System, a collaborative effort of Kessler Foundation, Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, and Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. The Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System is funded by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institute of Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. Grant number H133A120030. This podcast was created and produced by Joan Bank Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation, on Friday, September 29th, at the Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation Conference Center in West Orange, New Jersey. Our keynote speaker, Corey Weissman, talked about overcoming obstacles, taking the first step. Corey Weissman suffered a catastrophic stroke at the age of 19. He was a thousand plus point scorer on his high school basketball team and was on his way to becoming a standout point guard at Gettysburg College. He was determined to not let the debilitating stroke stop him from getting out onto the court. His inspirational story was made into a full feature film called 1000 to 1, The Corey Weissman Story. He now shares his story to motivate and inspire others who face obstacles and challenge them to take the first step. Let's listen in. So I've been looking forward to this talk for so long uh, for many reasons. I'm so fortunate that uh, I had an unfortunate experience such as having a stroke, which you know, might seem like such a terrible thing, uh, but I'm very fortunate that it was actually turned into the greatest gift I was ever given and has given me the opportunity to travel all over the country to various schools, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, um, other rehab facilities. But this is my first time speaking at Kessler to former patients. And when I say patients, um, you know, I don't mean that in in a derogatory term, because I was once a patient here. It's something that I take pride in. Uh, everyone that did spend some time here understands how amazing this facility is. After I had my stroke, we were looking for the best rehab facility in the country. And we were looking at places out in Arizona, all over. My mom's a physical therapist, so she understood the importance of me getting the proper medical care as early as I possibly could and we decided to come here to Kessler, which was, again, one of the best things that I could have possibly done. So it really means a lot for me to be here today. It's truly an honor to speak in front of all of you. So, as you heard, I did, I had a stroke when I was 19 years old, and it was the greatest obstacle I'd ever felt, ever experienced, but at the same time, it was the greatest gift I was ever given, which seems a little off. Right? Stroke is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States, and it's one of the top uh, leading injuries that leads to lifelong disability. So it seems a bit odd that I would say that it's the greatest gift I was ever given. Well, it taught me so many valuable lessons that I probably wouldn't have learned had I not had the stroke, and all my talks that I do various different places, again, all the settings. I speak about those lessons that I've learned. One of the main things I speak about is obstacles. Has anyone in here faced an obstacle in their life? Yeah. I only see a couple hands. Man, that's pretty crazy. You guys are so fortunate, you know, because it's, 
I mean, obstacles are something that we all face on a daily basis. Doesn't necessarily need to be a TBI, traumatic brain injury, a stroke, a car accident, whatever it may be. It could be something as simple as spraining your ankle, but it doesn't have to be a medical condition. It could be financial, it could be career oriented, it could have to do with your family, trying to be a better father, a better husband, wife, mother, son, cousin, brother. You get the idea, right? I don't have to go through the whole family tree. So, greatest gift I was ever given but at the same time, greatest obstacle. So how do we overcome that obstacle? As you heard, make sure we're on, doesn't work unless it's on, it's on. As you heard, I believe that overcoming any obstacle starts by taking the first step. Not necessarily taking a step, but more importantly, doing something. When we're faced with an obstacle, there's gonna be fear, some doubt, some uncertainty as to whether or not we're going to overcome that. We're nervous that it might get the best of us. It's going to change our lives. We may never get back to the person we were prior to that incident. Again, regardless of how severe the accident was, how severe the financial issues are, there's going to be fear, doubt, and uncertainty. That's, that's a given. One of the best things to do when faced with any sort of obstacle, and this is what I did, is I set a goal for myself, which helps in so many different ways. First of all, it gives you something to work towards. Along this journey that we call life, there are highs and lows. Now, once we set that goal for ourselves, we're not always going to be at a high. Very, you know, oftentimes, we're going to be down here at a low. So setting that goal for yourself is something that we could always resort back to. Say, okay, well, I set this goal for myself. Regardless of how I feel right now, I know what I want to do. I'm determined. So after I had my stroke, that's what I did. I took the first step. Again, not literally, but I made it up in my mind that I was going to get back out onto the basketball court. Because as you heard, I was a college basketball player at the time of my stroke. I was a freshman at Gettysburg College, which I'll get into a little bit more after. So after I had the stroke, left side of my body fully paralyzed, fully paralyzed with the doctors, not necessarily knowing how good of a recovery I was going to have, I made it up in my mind that I was going to get back out onto the basketball court. It really didn't matter what anyone said, whether it was my family members, friends, doctors. Not saying the doctors aren't smart, but at the end of the day, it was up to me. Right? I was not going to let this stroke work harder than me. I do like to mention, um, just to be honest with you guys, uh, I walk around a lot when I speak. And it's not so much because you're supposed to walk around and get people involved and speak to person to person. I just, my goal is to get 10,000 steps a day. Um, so I actually, there's actually a pretty fancy watch and tracks my, my steps. So I know, I just wanted to be honest with you. It might seem like I'm doing the right thing. I just got lucky that I have, again, a goal for 10,000 steps because apparently it translates well to public speaking. Just another, another, uh, benefit to setting a goal for yourself. So after having the stroke, again, greatest gift I was ever given, but also one of the biggest obstacles I'd ever faced. Picture here that pretty much explains it all. Any obstacle, you could think of it as a staircase, right? Long staircase, you might not be able to see the top. You may not be able to see the top. I wasn't necessarily able to see the end result. I wasn't able to see where I would be eight and a half years from the time of my stroke like I am now. 
but I took the first step. Because if you don't take the first step, figuratively and literally, you won't get anywhere, right? How are you supposed to get to the top of the staircase if you don't take the first step? I mean, that's breaking it down, you know, very simply put. You know, we, sh we should all be able to understand how important it is to take that first step. After I had the stroke, though, going back to somewhat, you know, how it was a struggle, it was interesting. My dad actually read, uh, read an article by a woman named Jane Goodall. And Jane Goodall's a doctor who studies animal behavior. And she had a very interesting quote in that, in that article. She says that we humans always find reserves of strength and courage to overcome that which fate throws our way. Did I get it right? Yeah. I guess every time. I've never actually you know, seen that quote. I just guess and hope I get it right. <laughs> so she's saying that not just me, but everyone in here, everyone in here has something inside of them to help them get through whatever obstacle they may be facing. Again, regardless of the severity of it. Doesn't matter how severe, how big of an obstacle it is. She's saying that we have something inside of us to help us persevere, to help us push forward. I guess I would say that I was fortunate because I had that one thing that pushed me, that little energizer bunny inside of me. Now I gotta be honest, I come from a great family. I had great friends, my teammates, my coaches, my professors but there was one thing that kept me going on a daily basis. When I was at my all-time lows, there was one thing. And every time I see these pictures, I'm like, man, I wish I was still that cute. But I, you know, I, I want your guys' honest opinion. Be honest with me. The bottom left. I know you guys all looked at that. I said I come from a great family, but I mean, I don't know how my mom put that on me and thought that that was a good look. <laughs> Aside from how she dressed me when I was younger, she was very nice. But So when I go shopping now, I'm hoping, you know, this is where I want you guys to be honest. Is this a little bit better than that? You like that better? I don't know if they even sell, sell those anymore. It is a pretty nice tie. Uh, but you could see, it, doesn't, it didn't matter what I was doing. I always had a basketball around me. Whether I was going to school, whether I was opening up presents. You know, I don't know if I was going to a wedding or what. I honestly, I, I should ask. I hope I didn't go out in public like that. Maybe it was like Halloween and it was like, a, or April Fool's. Like, hey, I'm just kidding. I'm not actually going to send you out like that. I'm not sure. But I always had a basketball in my hands. It was my best friend, right? If I ever was stressed out, if I was ever depressed, going through a hard time, I could always grab a ball, go outside, and literally shoot around for hours. But it wasn't just my best friend. It taught me a lot about hard work, basketball. When I was younger, I used to go to all these basketball camps uh, where I would stay for a week and you know, work on my game and learn from all these different coaches. And at one of the camps I went to, the co this coach shared a quote with me. And I have a lot of quotes today, but this one that I'm about to share with you is by far my favorite quote. And I live my life by it. And the quote is that, nothing will work unless you do. Nothing will work unless you do. And again, it doesn't matter if you're going through uh, some sort of an injury, trying to overcome that, if you're trying to advance your career, um, if you're trying to be a better family member, it won't just happen. That's essentially what it's saying. You need to take that first step. You need to do something about it. Because if you just sit there and expect it to happen, it won't. 
I mean, at this point, we probably all understand that, right? Things don't just happen. Things happen just. Sometimes it's annoying thinking about these things because it makes you wonder why you're not being more proactive and why you're not doing these things already. But that's why I like to talk about it. And everything that I talk about today, I did not just get from a textbook. And I'm not just saying it because it sounds good and because I know it could help you. I'm saying these things because it's what helped me get through my obstacle. And I know for a fact, if you walk out of here today, when you walk out of here today with these lessons instilled in you, you will benefit from them and you'll be able to move forward in life. So when I was younger, I applied this quote to basketball, obviously. And I made a lot of sacrifices growing up. Now, when I step like this, if I don't lift my back leg, I don't count it as a step. All right, I'm done with that. I'm, uh, I'm probably at about 5,000 because I got out of my car and walked some of the way here just because I had to get out of sitting in traffic. Anyway, so I applied it to, I got off track. It's the brain injury. I apologize. Um, I applied it to basketball, okay? I made a lot of sacrifices. You know, I was a young kid when I was 10 years old, let's say. A lot of my friends were inside playing video games, watching TV, movies, reading books. I don't know why they'd be reading books. I'm not a big fan. I think it's overrated, uh, reading books. Just for all of you book lovers out there, just be careful. I've put research out there that it might actually be bad for you. So it hasn't gotten uh, picked up yet. It hasn't been published, but it's out there somewhere. Go on uh, my Wikipedia page, and it should be up there somewhere. So I applied it to basketball, and my hard work really paid off. All right, I, it led to a very successful high school career. Never gets old. Never gets old seeing myself shoot. So that was actually my... Uh, that was actually the, the points that put me over the 1,000 uh, point mark. And that was a great individual achievement of, my, of mine. It was. But more importantly, my hard work gave me the opportunity to play basketball in college, which was always a goal of mine. All right? It was a pretty reasonable goal. Uh, you know, playing in the NBA is a stretch. Like 0.2% um, of athletes make it to the professional level. But you know, making up my mind that I wanted to play college basketball was reasonable. It was something that I could work towards. So it gave me the opportunity to play college ball. And after exploring all my options, the different schools that were recruiting me, I chose to go to Gettysburg for several reasons. Uh, great academic school. Uh, the basketball team was very good. And my host showed me an incredible time on my overnight there. An incredible time. I'm not going to say that he took me out and had a couple drinks because I was under 21, but he may or may not have served me a couple drinks, even though I was under 21. So that was just, you know, there's so many reasons that I chose Gettysburg College. But my freshman year, I found myself in a position that I wasn't used to. I wasn't getting in any of the games. I was sitting on the bench. They like to say that you're picking splinters out of your, out of your behind, because it used to be wooden benches. It's not wood anymore. You get the idea. So that's somewhat of an obstacle. Right? I was used to getting all the playing time in the world, starting, rarely coming out of the games. So I had a decision to make. I could have done what so many guys on the team did that came in with me my freshman year. They quit. Right? I could have felt bad for myself. Man, like, this coach has it out for me. I'm better than these guys. I really should be out there. I could say, all right, whatever. I'm OK with sitting on the bench. 
maybe next year I'll get some playing time. I'm just going to coast through. I'm just going to, you know, see what happens. But nothing will work unless you do. Things don't just happen. Things happen just. I decided that I needed to make even more sacrifices. In between classes, instead of going back and taking a nap, playing video games, whatever the case may be, I went right to the gym. Whether it was lifting weights, there's a reason why I uh, barely fit in this suit. I have to be careful, and I, I say this terrible joke at my job almost every single day, and it's absolutely terrible, but I laugh at it. So I, I never feel like I miss on a joke. So if you don't think it's funny, you do not have to laugh. I laugh, so it's like, I've never told a bad joke in my life that didn't make someone laugh. You know, when I flex, I gotta be careful when I flex because it seems like every week I have to go out and buy a new wardrobe because if, you know, if I flex, I end up ripping my, ripping my clothes. Anyway, it's terrible, I know, but in my head I laughed, I, not out loud. So I, you know, I had a decision to make and I feel like I made the right decision. And all that hard work that I continued to put in led to me getting some playing time my freshman year. It wasn't really that much, uh, not, not too substantial, but it again showed me that my hard work would pay off. Now, the last game of my freshman year, I'll never forget it, I was sitting on the bus on our way home, we were in Ohio at the NCAA uh, Division III tournament, and I told myself, I didn't say it out loud, but I told myself that I was going to work harder that following spring and summer than I'd ever worked in my entire life. Now I just spent you know, a decent amount of time telling you how hard I've worked, but I said, I'm gonna work harder. Well, I worked harder that spring and summer, but it wasn't to be a better basketball player, unfortunately. It was just to learn how to walk again. So I'll take you back to March 26th of 2009. Of course, it was raining. It's a rainy Thursday I'll never forget. I'm lifting weights with a friend and teammate of mine when out of nowhere I get this piercing headache. No idea what happened. I never used to get headaches in my entire life and it just it caught me off guard. It felt like a bomb went off in my head. Worst headache of my life. So I had to sit down. I took a couple minutes off. When the headache didn't go away, I figured, okay, I'll get up, I'll keep lifting. At some point, it would subside. So I walk up to the dumbbell rack to lift up the weights, and I go and I lift up one of them with my right hand, no problem. And then I go to lift it with my left, and it feels like I'm trying to lift a million pounds. And I'm looking at it, and it's confusing. It's not moving. So I literally, I call my friend over. I said, Brendan, come here, man. Like, something's wrong with this weight. Can you come check it out? He comes over. He lifts it. I don't know, man. Like, it seems fine. And then he saw something in my face. And he said, Corey, let's go outside. You know, let's get some water, see if you feel a little better. Weight room started to swirl around me. My vision started to blur. I was seeing double. And there was some music playing. And I started to, it started to echo and resonate through my, you know, through my ears, through my head, like it's not supposed to. By the time we got out into the hallway, things were progressively getting worse. So he sat me down against the wall. Just like you're all sitting right now, I started swaying back and forth like this, just trying to hold myself upright. Now I've, I was getting very, very nervous. Brendan, what's going on, man? Like something's wrong. You got to get some help. So fortunately, we were right around the corner from the athletic training room where I could get some medical attention. 
So Brandon lifts me up, and we're moving pretty quickly at this point because we're not sure what's going on. He lifts me up. We start walking to the athletic training room, and then about halfway there, I start to trip on myself. And again, I didn't really know what was going on. So Brandon takes my arm, he puts it around him, and he starts dragging me. There's an image I'll never forget. When we get to the athletic training room doors, doors are over my head. I'm looking down, my head is down, and I'm watching my left leg just drag completely dead behind me, just watching my toes drag. I've never felt so helpless in my entire life. Next thing I know, I hear sirens, I see the lights, and I'm in an ambulance pretty quickly. And there's two EMTs, one at the foot of my stretcher and then one behind me. And both of them are you know, trying to stay positive. Corey, stay with us. You're going to be okay. We're getting you medical attention. Just stay with us, okay? Don't worry about it. And then I don't know if he saw something in my face or if he just had a feeling this was going to happen. Um, but he told the EMT behind me to grab a bucket because it looked like I was going to be sick. He said, Corey, there's a bucket right next to you. If you're going to be sick, use the bucket. As you know, just from you know, the brief time I've been talking, I'm like kind of a jokester. I don't really take things too seriously. And I, you know, something was going on, so I felt like I could get away with this. Usually, we'd use the bucket, but I thought it'd be cooler uh, just to use my, my shirt. And you'll see why I did that. It actually, it actually worked out well, just to use my shirt. The reason I tell you that part of the story is that when I was in high school, I played in a student versus faculty flag football game. And all the students that played in the game put nicknames on the back of our shirts. And I never really had a nickname growing up, um, but since I'd scored 1,000 points, I decided to put Mr. 1000. And I happened to be wearing that shirt that day. So this right here, this right here is a replica of the shirt I was wearing that day. I want you to just picture this. Mr. 1000, the single greatest individual achievement of my life, took a matter of seconds, seconds, for the EMTs to cut it off. And that was it. That was it. I'm sure a lot of you in here have felt that. In a matter of seconds, things can change. Things can change. Now, when I say this, I'm not going to pretend like I made this up, like I'm the, the smart one that came up with this. But you really don't know what you got till it's gone. You can't take what you have for granted. I promise you, I wish more than anything that I could go back to March 26th of 2009 and embrace the last healthy step I took, the last time I ran normally, or the last time I jumped, but I can't. Don't take what you have for granted. Don't make the same mistake that I did. I always tell that to people, and I'm trying to use this opportunity while I'm speaking to you, because I really don't want you to make that mistake. Now, fortunately, they got me to Hershey Hospital pretty quickly, which is an incredible trauma hospital, where they found out what caused the stroke. I was born with an abnormal blood vessel in my brain. Uh, it's called an AVM, arteriovenous malformation. And not to get too scientific, um, but it's when between the arteries and veins, there's supposed to be capillaries uh, to slow down the transfer of the blood, and there's oxygen. You know, again, I'm not going to get too uh, scientific, but what happens with an AVM is it gets all, it's a tangled up blood vessel 
uh, that causes a lot of pressure. And unfortunately, it's, it's almost like a ticking time bomb. Usually people have symptoms. They'll have blurred vision or vision problems. They might have balance issues, chronic headaches. So a lot of times these things are, are found. You'll go to a doctor and say, you know, one of those things, my vision is blurry every once in a while or I have a headache, something like that. They'll, give, they'll get a CAT scan and they'll oftentimes find this. Unfortunately for me, the first sign I had of that AVM was that worst headache of my life. And anyone in here who's had a traumatic brain injury, a stroke, knows that it's the worst headache in your life. Anyone in here, you don't, you don't have to share if you don't want to. Anyone in here ever experienced that worst headache of my life? Yeah. You know, so again, something I'll never forget. So they, they got me to Hershey Hospital really quickly. I'm very fortunate. This is uh, an image of my brain. Okay, the white there shows the bleeding. Now, unfortunately, a doctor just walked in, my doctor, Dr. JC, thank you for coming, uh, but I wish he didn't because this part, um, I'm kind of kidding when I say this, but I'll just pretend he's not here. If you look, on the, aside from the left side, if you look on the right side there, I'm no doctor, but I heard that that's pretty much what a genius's brain looks like. I, don't, I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, but it's, just, it's what I've been told. So I'll let him keep his comments to himself. All right? I, you, there's usually not doctors in here, um, you know, when I say that. And of course I'm kidding. It's a little bit off. It's close to a genius. Now, this stroke paralyzed the left side of my body, all right, head to toe. So here is a picture at Hershey Hospital of me smiling, believe it or not. Always smiling, very positive person. And you could see that the left side of my face is droopy, okay? When I talked, I talked like this. I couldn't talk out of the left side of my, out the, out of the left side of my mouth. And I spent 10 days at Hershey Hospital, and I was making some good progress. And it was at that time that I took my first step and said I was going to get back out onto the basketball court. <coughs> After about 10 days there, guess where I was transferred to? Kessler. Kessler. You know what the best part of it was? Prior to being transferred here, well, I'll tell you, it wasn't the best part, but just a quick funny story. Uh, I had to use the, the restroom. Uh, we're waiting for the ambulance, and I had to use the restroom. Um, and it was just me and my dad in the room. There were no nurses around. My mom wasn't around. Uh, so I told him I had to use the restroom, and there was a commode in there. So he said, I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. He lifts me up, and next thing you know, I'm on the ground. He dropped me like a ton of bricks. So prior to getting the ambulance to come here, I had to go get imaging because you know, a hospital can't send you, you know, they can't transfer you someone else if I had a broken hip. Um, so I'm on my way to Kessler, and I'm supposed to be on my way to Kessler, and I ended up leaving two and a half, three hours later because I had to wait for CAT scans and, you know, how, how long all that takes and, you know, x-rays. I can't remember exactly what I got. So I got here to Kessler, and I was pumped, all right? Left side of my body is still affected. I'm moving it a little bit, but for the most part, paralyzed. So why was I so pumped? Because I heard that Superman went to Kessler. Superman, right? I mean, I set a goal for myself. I'm going to get back out into the court. Superman stayed here. Now, they have a, uh, it's kind of a sensitive subject. They have a picture of him on the walls here. Um, and every time I come back here, I'm kind of hoping that as I walk through, you know, the hallway, I'll see a picture of myself. But... Uh, it hasn't quite happened yet. Um, 
So I don't know. One of these days, maybe, you know, as I'm walking through the hallways, I'll see a picture of myself. But I mean, come on, Superman stayed here. This is going to be great, right? I'm going to achieve my goal. I'm going to get back out into the court, regardless of what anyone says. Now, my time at Kessler was pretty interesting, okay? Full of highs and lows. Some of the lows was that I needed help doing everything. I mean, the basics, using the restroom, getting dressed in the morning, feeding myself, okay? Basic things that we take for granted. And this was hard, okay? I lost all of my independence. I also spent a lot of time by myself, though. I had therapy three times a day, as most of us uh, are well aware of. But when I wasn't in therapy, I was in my room all by myself. You know, my friends, my family were either at work or at school, so I spent a ton of time by myself. Now, one of my friends gave me, you know, one of the greatest pieces of advice. He said, Corey, why don't you keep a journal? He said, you know, I'm sure throughout the day you have thoughts going through your head that you wish you could share with others. Keep a journal, regardless of how you feel. If you feel like cursing, if you feel like saying uh, how mad you are about something, just express your emotions through that journal. Now, like you heard, I'm a very positive person. So I did. I kept that journal, but these are the things that I wrote. These are directly out of that journal that I still have to this day. And every single one of these lines, and almost every single page in that journal, there's something about basketball. Remember when I said that setting that goal for yourself is something you could always come back to, right? Regardless of how high or how low you are. So that's something that I was always able to come back to. My motivation, luckily there was a little patio out back and my mom put a basketball in my hands uh, pretty quickly because she knew it would you know, help me feel like myself again. And I promise I was able to dribble a little bit better than this uh, prior to the stroke with my left hand. Not much, uh, a little bit better. I'm moving it, exactly, it's progress. A lot because of that basketball, because every time I went to therapy, you know, a lot of times we go to therapy and we're kind of sluggish and we go through the motions. It's not what I did. I went to work because I had, that, I had that goal in mind. Here's something that I obviously need to put in there because it makes me feel good. I have low self-esteem, so anytime I can watch myself make a shot, it makes me feel good. All right, so basketball, right? It's there for me. It's going to get me through this. See a little bit more of my progress. I'm sorry about the blurred video, but it was in 2009. All right, getting better and better, going from not being able to move my left arm to moving it side to side. I mean, little, little progress, not much, but it's something. Even if it's an inch of progress, to this day, I actually still get a tiny bit of progress, you know, once in a while. It's slowed down since it's been so long since the, the brain injury, but any progress you can make is a good thing, right? Something you should uh, be proud of. This is in my downtime, but my mom wouldn't let me ever have downtime. She's a physical therapist, so she felt it was necessary to not let me sit, hang out, watch TV, but to do more therapy. Even if I was laying in bed, I'm not even kidding. She had occupational therapists that she works with, speech therapists come literally in my room. I'm laying in my bed, and I have this OT telling me to you know, work on some hand uh, activities, the speech therapist asking me different questions to work on my cognition. So there was no breaks. I mean, maybe I shouldn't take all the credit. Maybe I should just give her the credit. But no, I'd rather take the credit for it.
So after about a little over a month here at Kessler, it was time to move on to the next step. All right, I went home where I continued my therapy. I continued my therapy, I was getting physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy, and continuing to make progress. At the end of the summer, I had a decision to make. Was I gonna go back to school? Now some thought it might be a bit too much to go back to school, but I just really, I just wanted to get my life back on track. I hated sitting at home. I was playing video games, you know, sitting on the couch. I wasn't able to do much. Even though I was making progress, I wasn't able to go out with my friends. Um, I was able to walk around with a cane, but I just, I, I wasn't myself. So I just, I, I had to go back to school. But unfortunately, when I got back to school, things didn't go as smoothly as I would have liked for a couple reasons. I was struggling academically, probably because my course load was anatomy, physiology, nutrition, physics, and Spanish, which is a tough course load for pretty much anybody. So I was struggling academically. For some reason, I felt awkward around my friends. Like, I, di I didn't know what to say to them. You know, our personalities change after having a brain injury, regardless of what part of the brain you know, was injured. Mine was the frontal motor cortex, which is what controls the primary motor cortex, which controls the left side of my body, which is why that was what was affected the most. But my personality changed. I wasn't as funny. I mean, you guys would probably say, dude, you're still not that funny. Um, but again, I, I laughed at myself. You, got, you don't have to laugh anymore, okay? I told you, I laugh at myself, so if I miss on a joke, I don't actually miss. So I was struggling, okay? But the worst part was I couldn't play ball. I wasn't ready to get out there with my teammates. So you could see there, this was me. All right, my team was out there practicing, and I was on the sidelines just shooting by myself. And it was really tough for me. At this point, this was the lowest I'd ever gotten. I had to hit rock bottom. I started having anxiety attacks. I was extremely depressed. And I, I really didn't know what to do, okay? Because I've never been depressed before in my entire life. And I have to be honest, what I did to myself was probably worse than, you know, I, I could have handled what was going on a lot better because I was beating myself up for being depressed. Because we know, listen, I, you know, I stayed here at Kessler for over a month. And I, I was able to walk when I got out of here. There are people that are patients here at Kessler that cannot walk, they can't talk. When their family members come visit them, if they make eye contact with their family members, I've literally seen parents cry, cry, because the, pa the, the patient uh, you know, looks over at their parents. How could I possibly feel bad for myself? I, I had such a good recovery up to that time, so I was beating myself up. But you know, depression, it's something natural, all right? After having a brain injury, after having any injury, really, because when I tell people these days, I actually work in the medical field now as an athletic trainer, uh, and I work with different patients who get injured, primarily in sports, and I tell them my story, and they say, man, like, how could I complain about a sprained ankle when you had a stroke? And I'm like, listen, anything, any sort of injury, anything that affects your life on a daily basis, you know, it, it might change how you feel every single day, right? It's okay to be depressed. You can't beat yourself up for it. This next quote is from a poem that I wrote. Again, I'm at rock bottom, but I wrote, feeling this pain, this hurt deep inside, but hard work I knew would turn the tide. Crying every single day, anxiety attacks, sitting there 
on the couch, all of a sudden, I get this empty feeling in my stomach. It feels like I'm falling. Literally, the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I know it sounds uh, you know, corny. I know it, it, everyone says that. But literally, it just felt like I was being pushed down with no net under me. But that's my outlook on life. Hard work I knew would turn the tide. Nothing will work unless you do. So I continued to stay with the team, and you know I went to practice every single day, and I turned into more of like an assistant coach. I don't like to say manager, uh, but more of like an assistant coach, and I helped the, the younger guys with the plays. Um, but I also, at the same time, used my, my situation as somewhat of a motivation for my teammates. One day, you know, one of, the old, one of the guys on the team, he was a junior at the time, they're running uh, sprints at the end of practice, which you know, is not a fun thing to do. They're running sprints, and I'm on the sideline. I still wasn't able to run. And when he was done running, he came over to me. I said, dude, like, I wish I was in your spot, man. Like, you're, lucky you're, you know, you're lucky you're not running now. I mean, it's easy for him to say. I almost, you know, I got very, very upset. But it's hard to understand our situations, right? After we have an injury, it's hard to understand what we're actually going through. I know I'm explaining it to those of you who haven't been affected by an injury, but it is very hard to understand if you haven't been through it. But those of you who share uh, with me, you know, going through a, a traumatic medical experience, you understand. So I told him, I was like, you have no idea what I would do to be out there sprinting to feel like I was gonna vomit from running so hard. Don't, don't ever say that to me again, okay? I'd give anything to be out there with you guys. So I was trying to use my situation uh, you know, to affect the attitude um, you know, of the rest of my team. And I was continuing my therapy, obviously. I was in the athletic training room all the time, and I was getting better all throughout my sophomore year. I get back my junior year, and I'm moving around a lot better. Moving around, okay? I'm able to dribble a little bit, I'm doing layup lines, I'm doing shooting drills, uh, and I'm participating in things before uh, they really get into practice. And I'm excited. First game, junior year is coming up. First game, junior year is coming up. I tell my friends and family, I'm like, come out, like, I'm gonna be out there warming up. I've been doing layup lines, I'm gonna have my jersey on. I might not be able to play yet, but I'm at least gonna be out there. But the night before that first game, my coach came over to me. He said, Corey, listen, I really admire everything you've done. You've worked extremely hard. You've made tremendous strides. I just, I don't know that you're ready to get out there. You know, things move a little bit faster during games as opposed to practice. That, that one hurt. That one hurt. That was a punch to the gut. Is that right? Anyone see that before? Great Rocky Balboa. Life ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's fine. Tell me I'm not ready. It's not going to stop me. I'm not going to sit there and feel bad for myself. I'm not going to give up. That's me. Hard work. And everyone in here can do that. Everyone in here, regardless of your injury. Maybe not run, but you set a goal for yourself. Uh, you know, and strive to get there every single day, every time you go to therapy, take advantage of that time. You know, you're working with people who went to school for a really long time and learn, you know, the best possible exercises for you to do to help you get there. And again, that's why, you know, you're seeing this firsthand. That's why I have all the videos. 
because I'm not just saying these things because they sound good or because you know, it'll probably work for you. This is what I did. This is what I did. This is what worked for me. So you're getting firsthand experience of what will help you. And again, this is not just, I'm not just speaking to those of you who have been affected by an injury. I'm speaking to those of you in here who have not yet faced you know, a serious obstacle or not faced a serious obstacle. I hope um, injury, I hope, I hope you never do. Um, but you know, if you're struggling financially or you know, in your career, sitting there and hoping that it'll get better is it's not gonna work. You can make tremendous strides. All through junior year, I'm continuing to work, I'm continuing to get better. I'm at home. Again, remember, I have very low self-esteem, so I put a bunch of videos up here. A little left to right crossover. It's the left hand. So you can see everything's getting better. Here comes a shot. Any basketball fans in here or basketball players? I won't even charge you for this free lesson, but you know that's going in, right? I have to put that up there. I didn't even watch. I, I'm gonna watch it later because it makes me feel good every time I see it go in. All right, so again, you know, hard work's paying off. I'm getting better. You saw the left to right crossover. Boom, make it. That one went in too, up here in my head. I get back to school senior year, and I'm out there with the team before games. I'm warming up. I'm able to move a lot faster, and it's awesome, okay? I have my jersey on, my warm up. My friends and family are out there cheering for me, and I know I hadn't quite uh, gotten in a game yet, but this was one of my goals, to get back out onto the court. All of senior year was going by, and I had, hadn't gotten back out onto the court yet, though. And then senior day comes. It's the last home game of the season, and it's usually the seniors will start in that game. I get a phone call from one of my teammates and co-captains, and he says, he's all excited on the phone. He says, congrats, Corey, you're starting tomorrow. I'm sitting in the car behind the gym, and tears just start pouring out of my eyes. Just pouring out of my eyes. All right, tears of triumph. Three years of hard work. Three years of resorting back to that first step that I took. Laying in the hospital bed, the left side of my body paralyzed. Saying, I'm going to get back out onto the court. I'm going to get back out onto the court. There's no way the stroke's going to work harder than me. I'll beat it. I found out that I was going to achieve my goal. Called some friends, called some family. I let them know what was going on. I had to get some sleep. I mean, tomorrow was a big day. Next thing I know, I'm sitting on the bench waiting for my name to be called on the, the loudspeaker, something that I took for granted. Uh, you know, I heard it all the time in high school. Every time you score, they say your name. Every time you enter the game, they say your name. Again, that was something I took for granted. On that day, it was special. I got chills down my spine when I heard my name. I worked pretty hard to, get, to earn that. Now, the coaches had to come up with a plan, though. I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't quite ready to uh, play full speed. Um, so the coaches had to come up with a plan for me to get in the game. So I started. The plan was for the ball to go up, whoever won the jump ball to roll it out of bounds. That's what happened. Ball went up, the other team actually got the ball, the guy handed it to me, I took a dribble, I rolled it out of bounds. I think like two or three seconds went off the clock, but it didn't matter. My goal was to get back out onto the court. It wasn't to play 40 minutes again. I did it, right? After all I had been through, I got back out onto the court. And that's why I'm telling you, if you make it up in your mind that you're going to achieve that goal, that you're not going to let that obstacle beat you, you're not going to let it work harder than you, I promise you, you could achieve that goal. 
It's a hell of an ending to the story, right? Got back out into the court. I don't know, though. I, I, I thought I could do a little bit better than that, though. With about a minute left to go in the game, my coach calls a timeout, and he asks me if I want to go back in. I look at him, I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, Puts me back in the game, and this was awesome. This wasn't planned. I'm running up and down the court, uh, dribbling. I get the ball a couple times, pass it off. I didn't play much defense, but I didn't play much defense before I had the stroke, so <laughs> let's be honest. I mean, how do you score 1,000 points if you waste energy on defense? <laughs> Think about it. I'd save all my energy for when I had the ball. Then with about 20 seconds left to go in the game. Now, we're up by 20 at this point. We're up by, you know, enough. There's 20 seconds left. Game's over. The other coach calls a timeout. We're kind of confused. Like, we don't know, really know what's going on. Like, game's over. He sends someone over to our bench uh, and tells them to give me the ball because he wants to intentionally foul me. We're in the, the one and one the double bonus. So when you get fouled, it gives you a chance to go to the free throw line. I get the ball. They foul me. And now I'm running up, and up the court to the free throw line. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was nervous. I'm very, very you know, confident usually. A good free throw shooter in practice. You know, I wouldn't, I'm being honest. I'm not, again, I have low self-esteem. But I'll tell you, I might have missed one free throw in about six months at practice. I missed a lot more than that. But again, I laughed in my head. Stop laughing. It really wasn't that funny. Like, I, I laughed in my head. So I'm nervous, OK? I have butterflies. I had been sitting for most of the game. I get to the free throw line. Everyone's cheering, yelling. No one knew that this was going to happen. I set up. I get the ball. I go through my routine. I put it up. Came a little bit short. For whatever reason, I got the ball back for my second shot. And all those butterflies, all the nerves that were going, completely out the window. This is the most confident shot I ever took in my entire life. I literally, I, I promise you, I knew that all I had to do was put the ball up, and this would happen. Hardest point I'd ever worked for in my entire career. Right, over a thousand points in high school, but that right there was the hardest point I worked for in my entire career playing basketball. And that's the good end to the story, okay? Not only did I get back out onto the court, but I scored my first point. That turned out to be the shot heard around the world, though. You kind of already heard what happened. My story started to get some media attention, and it started with some local newspapers around the Gettysburg area, uh, and then it had like somewhat of a snowball effect and just blew up. Next thing I know, I had Yahoo Sports calling me, ESPN, um, and then I eventually did an interview with American Heart uh, and Stroke Association. I um, was fortunate that I was on the cover of that. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. And throughout all of this, uh, my friends are going crazy. They're like, this thing is blowing up, man. Just watch. You know, they're going to make a movie about it. There's one more thing I've got to show you. There's no way I was on SportsCenter. Right? Everyone knows Sports Center Top 10? I want to I watch this on the big screen. All right, so in my opinion, 
number 10 is the best they could have given me. I mean, like, literally, if I would have known that my story would have turned out the way it did, I could spin the ball on my finger. I could have done that, put on my finger, behind the back, between the legs or something. I don't know. I took one dribble and rolled it out of bounds. But I thought they could have done a little bit better than that. So my stories, it's getting bigger and bigger, okay? My friends are like, they're going to make a movie about this. And I'm, guys, listen, like, I'm a normal guy from Jackson, New Jersey. I know I, you know, had all this happen to me, but this isn't Hollywood. There's no way they're going to make a movie about it. As you heard already, they did make a movie called 1001, The Corey Weissman Story. And it can be found on Netflix, iTunes, Amazon. If you don't have any of those, you can watch it on YouTube. I'm not sure how it got up there, uh, but I don't mind at all. It has Arabic subtitles, so if you want to mute it, if you know, if you, if you know Arabic, you want to mute it and just try to watch the movie. I'd just be curious to know how good the movie is if you just read, you know, watch it with subtitles. But I really, I don't mind that it's up there because it has, I think, like 60,000 views or something like that. Um, so my story's spreading all over the world. It's pretty cool, you know, doing all these interviews and having a movie and all that good stuff. But the best part of everything was I started to get these emails and Facebook messages from complete strangers, never spoken to in my entire life, from all over the world telling me how much my story inspired them. They would share their experience with, with me, let me know what they were going through, and they told me that once they saw my story, it helped them get back to work. And there's so many stories that I wish I could share with you guys, but we just simply don't have enough time. I have about two and a half hours left of stuff to get to. Um, so it's funny, though. I've been meaning to get a battery for this watch. I'm not even kidding. Like, you might think I'm kidding. But I've literally been meaning to get a battery for this watch for about two or three months. It still looks good, but it just doesn't work. So I'm getting these emails and interviews and, I did not, and uh, Facebook messages, and I did not expect this. All, right? all the hard work I put in, I didn't realize that it would affect other people. It was just, at the time, my goal. But that's why I say that it was the greatest gift I was ever given. Because my hard work and dedication was able to help other people. And I feel like everything happens for a reason. I truly do. If I could go back in time and choose whether or not to have the stroke, I would choose to have it every single time. And I think my brother put it best. He said, Corey, if you went to Gettysburg, you played ball, even if you started, even if you scored 1,000 points at Gettysburg, how many lives would you have affected? How many people would you have inspired? It stinks. You had the stroke. You had to go through all that. But dude, you've had the chance to inspire hundreds and thousands of lives all over the world. That's, the greatest, that's why it's the greatest gift I was ever given. Yeah, it was the greatest obstacle I'd ever faced, but I promise you, the obstacles that you're faced with today, regardless of how big they are, you could turn them into the greatest gift you were ever given. I'm no Superman. I look like Superman, but <laughs> I'm no Superman, unfortunately. But it, it's an incredible movie. They, they really did a good job. And anytime I tell someone about the movie, uh, I never say it to boost my ego. Um, I just know that they did an incredible job with it, and it helps people after they watch it. I get such good feedback, um, and I hear so many different stories about, I mean, some of them just terrible, uh, about people considering, considering suicide and watching the movie. Um, I mean, so many different stories. Uh, so I, I encourage you all to, to watch it if you have a chance. 
something that you know you could watch over and over if you're ever you know down you could kind of remember my story that I was literally down crying having anxiety attacks went back to that first step though at this point I'm hoping that as I've been talking you've kind of been thinking about some of the things that you're struggling with some of the obstacles that you've uh, faced in your life or may be facing I'm hoping that if you haven't already you're you will by the time you leave today, out those doors, think about that first step you take. One of my buddies, my good friend Will, this little guy, I got an email uh, from somebody. He said, listen, you know, Corey, I heard about your story. My friend's grandson actually just had a stroke. He's nine years old, nine years old yeah, from an AVM, same as yours. And this, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was 19 when I had it, and I know how hard it was for me to go through that. So to think that a nine-year-old boy had to go through that, uh, you know, just killed me. So of I said, of course, you know, I'd love to reach out. I called his mom, and we, we spoke on the phone for a good two or three hours that first day. And this is my boy. We've seen each other for the past five years. We go to an, an amusement park. We have a tradition. We go to an amusement park every year. Um, he lives down in Atlanta, Georgia, unfortunately, but we make an effort to get together every year. I was able to see him over the summer, uh, but I'm hoping to get to go down there in December again to see him. He's in high school now, and I just I can't believe it. But this guy right here, he had to write a paper one time this past year, prior to getting to high school. He had to write a paper and present it in front of his class, and it was about heroes. So oftentimes, when you think about heroes, you think about someone who uh, has like superhuman strength, who could fly, x-ray vision, you know, something like that. And his mom sent me my paper, and she said, Corey, I think you'll enjoy this. Says, you know, and he, he said that exact thing. He said, you know, when you think of superheroes, guys that can fly, superhuman strength, but my hero has none of that. So my hero is Corey Weissman. He's been through what I've been through, and he's paved the way for me to follow. If I follow in his footsteps, I'll be just fine. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't you know, make you feel good, knowing that you're able to impact someone's life like that, I mean, that was another, uh, another time that I just literally started bawling, crying. Uh, I mean, you know, the relationship I have with Will uh, is one that will never break. I mean, mine and this kid's bond is just one that will never be broken. And when people ask me who my inspiration is, because a lot of people will say I'm their inspiration, they might say, who's your inspiration? I say this guy. I mean, he's such a young kid, and I wish, I, I hope that someday he'll feel more comfortable talking about his experience, because at such a young age, to handle it the way he did, to be so positive and fearless, he goes out there and plays sports, plays baseball, basketball, goes rock climbing. He's broken his arm twice since the stroke. So I mean, this kid is literally fearless. It's my inspiration. Now, one thing I want to say about that is that once I put that together, there were only a couple songs that I could choose from. I wanted to add some music to it. Like literally, there might have been five songs. How crazy is it that that song was there? This is going to be the best day of my life. I mean, things happen for a reason, I swear to you. It's going to be the best day of my life. Finish it off with Never Quit. Last thing I'm going to leave you with. Next time you're faced with an obstacle, because it'll happen, regardless of how big it is, 
right? There's going to be fear, doubt, uncertainty as to whether or not you're going to overcome it. You might think that it's you know, going to change your life and take over. I want you to think about that first step. If you take that first step, like I did, I promise you that the sky's the limit as to what you could achieve. So I just want to know what your first step will be. Thanks, guys. Thank you. For more information about rehabilitation research at Kessler Foundation, go to www.kesslerfoundation.org. That's www.kesslerfoundation.org.